You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 72, Fireworks for the 4th of July. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 72 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hey, Brian, glad to be back. We are back, and so mm-hmm. we got some, uh, we got movie news, we got some things to look forward to, we want to talk about movies and television, but... Of course, the reason why we were gone is because you were busy. Yes. Yes, I was. Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. And I got to see it. I was there for opening night, and I was there for closing mm-hmm. night. So, uh, Jack the Ripper, musical. Uh, we yeah. talked about this in the last podcast, but, man, you guys you guys were amazing. <laughs> Thank it was like you. Sold out show after sold mm-hmm. out show. You guys, you guys crushed it. It was fantastic. So... Yep. So uh, tell me, uh, seeing it opening night and seeing it closing night, was there a a big difference in uh, productions? What are you thinking? Well, yeah, I, I thought you guys were really, mm-hmm. I mean, you were really, really solid mm-hmm. opening night. Certainly after you've done it for a little while, you're a little more comfortable in, in everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, especially with, I mean, there's always pressure with opening night show, but oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it's a great musical. And of course, it's, it's um, Dan Katie and... Uh, Mark Scarpelli mm-hmm. wrote it. There are a couple of our our, our local local heroes, and so yep. it's not. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be that well known because, of course, it's mm-hmm. it's a local production. But as good as any musical that you see anywhere, right? And uh, I really really enjoyed it, and I was glad I got a chance to see it. And mm-hmm. not everybody got a chance to see it nope. because people were were turned away. Yes, yeah, sell, yep. sold out, sold out, sold mm-hmm. out. So <laughs> really enjoyed it, but. Glad that you're back, and we yeah. can get to talking about a few things. One thing, what I want to start the program out with, I may have to go on a little bit of a rant. I thought I might have avoided this rant, but uh, they kept dragging me back in in social media. So <laughs> trying to get up, but they keep dragging me yeah, back I in. Mean, I feel like this is, in a sense, this is old news. And I really, like I said, when it first, when this first came out, we didn't talk about it on the podcast. I made a point not to bring it up on the podcast. But because it doesn't seem to want to go away and it, it keeps cycling and recycling, I feel like we got to talk about it. Hopefully this won't take too awfully long. Hmm. I can get this off of my chest. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter, March 26th, this is how far back this goes, uh, posted an article. And the title of the article was, Jordan Peele on making movies after us. Quote, I don't see myself casting a white dude as the lead. And so basically what happened was uh, the Hollywood Reporter was reporting on a talk that Jordan Peele gave at the uh, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater on the uh, 25th. And um, they were having a conversation series. And so he was on stage and people were asking him questions and he was talking about all kinds of different things. And one of the things he talked about was fame. And I don't want to paraphrase. There's like about three or four paragraphs. I want to take this directly out of the article. If I'm misquoting Jordan Peele, well, the article misquoted him, but let me let me read exactly what they had to say about fame and then how that led up to basically what they considered the lead to the story. Fame is still something he's figuring out. Quote, I don't envy someone who gets famous overnight, Peele cautioned. The hardest part is being recognized. I used to think that 
being in the public eye gave you power, but all of a sudden, they have the power and can come up to you an hour into dinner, unquote. But there are other kinds of power, and Peel plans on wielding them judiciously. One way is to keep putting black faces on the screen in reading, uh, leading roles. Quote, the way I look at it, he explained, I get to cast black people in my movies. I feel fortunate to be in this position where I can say to Universal, I want to make a $20 million horror movie with a black family. And they say yes, unquote. It's a formula he's not interested in messing with. Quote, I don't see myself casting a white dude as the lead in my movie. Not that I don't like white dudes, he said, nodding over to his moderator pal Roberts. Quote, but I've seen that movie, unquote. The line drew loud applause and shouts of agreement. Quote, it really is one of the best, greatest pieces of this story. It's feeling like we are in this time, a renaissance that happened and proved the myth about representation in the industry are false. Unquote. And so that was the that was the part of the article that, of course, like I said, that the Hollywood Reporter chose to lead with, and that there's been a lot of debate about. And so I haven't seen anything really from the from the Geek Watchers. Nobody's really said any, uh, that I know of. Uh, like, but like I said, on social media, this thing has come up again. And like I said, as a white dude, I didn't know if I really needed to comment on this or that I should comment on it. But here I am. I'm about ready to comment on it. So here's my take on it. Jordan Peele, I'm saying this as a white dude, Jordan Peele casting a white dude in a lead to one of his movies would probably be one of the biggest mistakes that he could possibly make. And let me explain why. Hollywood is a weird place because today, even though it is 2019, Hollywood has it in their mind that a black-led movie is a niche movie and a risk. That black-led movies do not do well overseas, that they don't pull at the box office, that they are a risk. And the problem is, because Hollywood is becoming more and more risk-averse, it means that the ability and the opportunities to make black-led movies are actually getting less and less. Mm. Now, there are people who can get black-led movies made, but there are about half a handful of people who can do that. Jordan Peele happens to be one of them. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason he's able to do that is, one, because he has a cachet, because people remember from Key and Peele. He's a face that people know. He's already proven himself. But he's also making horror movies. I mean, you look at the budgets. Uh, his first movie, Get Out, the budget was like $4.5 million. That's it. Us is where the budget jumped up. He was able to do $20 million at that point. Mm -hmm. Most movies with that kind of a budget don't even get greenlit. The reason being is because studios consider them two small potatoes. So they won't even greenlight a, a budget for a movie that small. They won't do it. The one exception just happens to be horror movies. Horror movies have that B-movie kind of a mentality as far as, uh, as Hollywood's concerned. So they're used to those movies being... On the cheap. That's interesting. Yeah. So other movies, forget it. You can't you can't go in and, and pitch a, a comedy or an adventure for four point five million horror movie. They'll let them slide. And he he's making in these movies about one hundred seventy five million over one hundred seventy five million domestic on these films. So because the budgets are low, they're making a ton of money. Lots of profits. Right. They're they're making lots of money. So he gets the opportunity to continue to make these films. And like he says, he can. 
because of the types of films that he that he wants to make, you know, and because they're horror films, and because there's not a, a huge investment on it, he gets to make movies that have black casts in them. So, not saying that he's the only person making black-led movies. Marvel's doing it. Mm-hmm. But then again, you have this big label that says Marvel. They can stamp on this movie. And of course, they make, you know, Black Panther made huge money. Made over a billion dollars. Now, whether it was because it was a black-led movie and uh, and it got a huge budget because it had that Marvel label on it, whether the Marvel label was able to carry it over or because it had the Marvel label, they gave it a budget to market and it did well. It's sort of a chicken and the egg kind of a thing. I think, honestly, uh, even with Jordan Peele's movies, you don't see a lot of marketing on them because I think... What happens is they say, oh, black-led cast, niche movie, and they give it a, a marketing budget that they think a movie like that deserves. And because of that, I think it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no movie's going to do well if they don't get a really good budget. And if they don't expect, you know, they think it's a niche movie and they give it a marketing budget for a niche movie, it's going to be a niche movie. That's just the way that it is. Because of that and because... Things are, like I said, they're becoming much more risk adverse. There's not that many opportunities for these black-led movies, but but Jordan Peele has those opportunities to make them, and so he should make them. And I don't even look that, at this as, as as you know as being racist. I think this is just an observation of the way the situation is right now. And the truth is, if Jordan Peele Jordan Peele could easily make a movie with a white lead. And I think the minute that he does that, the next time he wants to go into a studio and say, I want to make another black-led movie, they're going to say, look, you've already made a white-led, and they're less of a risk. Just keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And he could lose that ability. Like I said, he's not doing blockbuster numbers, but he's certainly making a profit. And honestly, the whole statement about he wouldn't cast a white lead doesn't bother me. And the reason for that being is, look, if there are all these opportunities for black-led films in Hollywood... Yeah, maybe I'd be a little bothered by that, but there's not. So he has an opportunity to get more black-led films made in Hollywood. He needs to take that opportunity because, like I said, there's less than a handful of people or studios willing to do that. And because of that, I think Hollywood is not going to be more willing to put out these black-led films until there's a a ton of evidence stating that they're not a risk. And that's going to be putting out as many of those films as you can get as you can and then becoming successes before Hollywood goes, okay, well maybe we were wrong (laughs) and it's going to take a lot of them. And so Jordan Peele as one of the few people who can make these films needs to put those films out. And I'm not saying that as, as a white dude, I'm not saying this because I'm just woke like that. I'm saying it because as a consumer of content and as a creator of content, I know, and I've said this before on the podcast The more voices and the more varied the voices are in your art, the better off you're going to be. And I want to see Hollywood open up and be able to do different types of films. You know, white-led cast, black-led cast, you know, different voices. But they're not going to do that until the point is driven home that black-led movies will make you money. Mm -hmm. That's why I say that I understand what Jordan Peele was saying, and that's why it doesn't bother me at all and why I feel like... He shouldn't be making movies with white-led actors. And it's not like there's not plenty of movies for for white actors to get roles in. Mm -hmm. 
But if Hollywood is going to be able to expand itself for new voices, Jordan Peele needs to continue to make the types of films that he's making because it's going to allow Hollywood to see that, yes, there's a market here and open up that market. And, of course, that's going to give us great films that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And so, like I said, I I see where it's easy to fall into, well, he's saying, you know, this is a racist statement, et cetera, et cetera. But I think when you look at it and you look at the bigger picture, I think, honestly, it's more important for Jordan Peele to make more black-led movies than it is for him to throw a bone to to a white actor who's got a job in another movie anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's my take on it. Mm And like I said, I didn't even really want to address this, except that I keep seeing these comments online. And I felt like, you know, we need to take a step back and, like I said, look at the bigger picture. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty much all I had to say about it. Anything mm-hmm. that you want to add? Did you I just It reminds me so much of the Bechtel test. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alison Bechtel, she's one who's really, she's a, a comic artist. And then her one of her comic books became a Broadway musical. So that's, you know, fun home. Mm-hmm. So that's where she is. But she came up with this test to look at all movies. And if there are two named female characters that have a conversation that does not involve a man, then it passes the Bechtel test. Right. Well, when you start looking at all movies... Very, very seldom do you have two named female characters who are having a discussion that is not about a man. Right. And and it's not just, you know, movies from the 40s. Looking at, you know, Meet Me in St. Louis, there are five sisters there, and they never once have a conversation that does not involve a man. But it, it happens, you know, just just as much nowadays uh, as, as it ever did. So getting that representation... There's no shortage of white women, you know, skinny white women in movies. However, the way they are portrayed is, you know, that they are obsessed. There's something wrong with them if they're not getting married and having kids or, you know, these are the things. So as you're saying, the the more varied the voices, you know, take a step back, look at it, look at how, you know, they're being portrayed. I always love the Whoopi Goldberg uh, talking about seeing Star Trek and saying, Mom, there's a black lady on TV and she's not a maid. So give everyone something different. Um, right. Don't make the gay person's one aspect in the show or in the movie that he's gay. You know, yeah. give him a little bit more dimension. That's just one part of this person's life. Yeah, gay and funny. <laughs> gay and funny, yeah. As, you know. as, as the comic relief. But I guess to sum all this up, you know, if anyone were to ask me, why, why do you consider this a big deal? I consider it a big deal because it is a big deal. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't be a big deal. A black-led movie shouldn't be a big deal. It should be pretty common. Right. Diversity in our art should be pretty much a common thing, and it's not. And so that's why it's a big deal. And I hope one day I get to see when it's not a big deal, when Mm -hmm. this is, when it's not so hard to get this stuff out there. You know, once that happens, I think maybe we'll be a little more on track to where we need, uh, where things ought to be, certainly. So now that that rant is over, yeah. something we talked about the last podcast, and wouldn't you know it, the universe had to, had to have us dip our toe into this. Sandman's coming to Netflix. Yes. Uh, Neil Gaiman said when, when they asked him about Sandman, he said, I've spent more time trying to prevent a bad Sandman than to trying to get a good Sandman. Well, of course, uh, Gaiman and uh, David uh, Goyer, they've been trying to produce a Sandman movie forever. And 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt was attached at one time, and the, but he wound up leaving over creative differences. So the movie, okay. it crumbled under all that, which it happens. But now it looks like DC Entertainment's decided that they wanted to, they wanted to attach with Netflix to do a television series. And as you can imagine, if you've read the comics, this is going to be the most expensive TV series that DC Entertainment has ever tried to do. Really? Yeah, mm. it's far and above the most expensive. But mm-hmm. again, if you've read the comic, you mm-hmm. know where that money's going to go. I haven't actually read the Sandman comic. Uh, I've read about it, and you know, I'm a Lucifer fan, so uh, that's he originated from there, and. So I'm I'm excited about yeah. seeing what they're what they're going to do, and I'm okay. You know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt would have been absolutely cool, but I am okay with them bringing up a brand new new face that we haven't seen before. Yeah, well, Alan uh, Heinberg is who uh, wrote for Wonder Woman, ABC's The Catch, Grey's Anatomy. Uh, he's going to be writing, and he's going to be doing the show running. Gaiman and Goyer are going to be executive producing Mm -hmm. so they're still involved in the project even though it's turned into a tv project at this point to be honest this has been a this partnership with netflix came at an interesting time in for netflix and the reason why netflix is willing to to go all in on a on a sandman television show of course is that of course they're losing properties left and right because everybody else is going and doing their own streaming services Mm -hmm. and so Netflix to sort of stem the hemorrhaging, <laughs> they're grabbing as many properties as they can to come up with original programming. I mean, of course, they're Magic the Gathering. We talked about that the right. last one, the last podcast, Chronicles of Narnia. They're going to do a series with that. They're buying pretty much all the works of Roald Dahl. And oh, they're gonna really? Be doing, they're going to be doing a, a lot with that. And of course, now- Are they doing this, animated or uh, I'm not. To be live? honest, I'm not sure. I'm not hmm. sure if they're doing live action or animated uh, for that. But- they're trying to pull as many IPs, uh, valuable IPs, as they can. And when we talked about this the last podcast. Gaiman's been doing really well. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I he's mean, always been around, but now he just, like, you know, jumped out in front of everyone. Yeah. Here I am. Well, you, you have American Gods on Stars, and mm-hmm. then Amazon has Good Omens, which, if you hadn't heard our, our <laughs> comments about it, I guess the uh, abbreviated, abridged version of it, it's awesome, go watch it. It's awesome, go mm-hmm. watch it quick before netflix cancels it (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll we'll talk about that for a second but but, uh, yeah so they wanted to grab that ip Mm -hmm. and i i certainly understand that so but uh, yeah what you were talking about Mm -hmm. because of the uh blasphemous nature there was a petition yeah Mm -hmm. a a petition that was passed around online that got uh, a bunch of signatures asking uh netflix asking netflix to to cancel Good Omens. Mm-hmm. Of course, Good Omens isn't on Netflix. Right. But they promised they would go they ahead said, and cancel it. Okay. We'll go ahead and cancel it anyway. Mm-hmm. And in retaliation, Amazon said they're going to go and cancel Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. So, And, you know, like thinking about it, they've come to the end of the source material. And I don't see them, you know, going any further than the end of what they have. But that kind of... Uh, spiteful person in me <laughs> kind of wants them to do another uh another season just to kind of dig at those who want to uh cancel oh yeah it and oh, uh, yeah yeah definitely mm-hmm. so i gotta tell you though sort of as an aside kind of changing the subject a little bit movies have gotten especially genre movies it's 
I think is really weird. I've I've noticed it's like it seems like at, at least this year, uh, genre movies they either crush it in the box office and make millions upon millions of dollars, or they just tank. Hmm. There's not really any middle ground anymore, hmm. or at least at least not this year. It's like you don't have like a moderate success in a genre movie. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you have Captain Marvel and you have Avengers Endgame. You know, making millions upon billions, and then you get. Other movies that like Men in Black International tanked mm-hmm. complete. I mean, and it, here you have two lead actors that were in Endgame that they went from a billion dollar movie to a complete flop. Wow! And Child's Play underperformed their first weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, I was um, unaware of that. I don't know if I'd necessarily call it a tank, but it certainly underperformed. They they expected to get at least sixteen million out of their first mm-hmm. weekend. They mm-hmm. didn't. They didn't hit that. It's like, it's either going to be really, really, it's going to do really, really well, or it's going to just, it's going to completely just tank. Mm-hmm. You know, no. Hellboy. Oh, yeah. Another good example. Mm-hmm. But speaking of movies, I got to, because this just came out today. We're, we're filming on Monday because, of course, this is Fourth uh, of July week. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to knock this out really quickly. So they just released today. The Jumanji 2 trailer. Did you get a chance oh, to see no, that? Oh, no. I didn't even know. Uh... Yeah. What's really interesting about the premise of, of course, Jumanji is that you have these kids who are basically have these avatar characters, right? Right. <laughs> Something I hadn't thought about, but they really play into Jumanji 2, is that it doesn't really matter who's playing the game, you know. So you don't have to necessarily plug the same kids into the same characters. <laughs> and you don't have even have to have the same players, so what's interesting about the trailer is, of course, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover play grandfathers of two of the kids. <laughs> well, they get sucked into the game. And so Danny DeVito is being played by The Rock now. So he's he, he's got to play. A, and uh, it's Kevin Kevin Hart's playing uh, Danny Glover. Oh, and so there are a couple of old folks. So now they got to they have to change. They're not playing exactly the same roles they were playing in the last movie because now they're a couple of old folks oh, that now their hips don't hurt anymore, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, which was hilarious. And so it looks like, uh, like I said, you're gonna you're gonna get the stuff out of the first movie you enjoyed, but because of the fact that in a real sense. Kevin Hart and uh, The Rock are playing different characters this time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, the uh, the trailer is hilarious and definitely something worth checking out uh, when it comes out. Interesting. Um, and I, I know you already know about this because I posted about it on Facebook, but I'm going to mention it again for the Geek Watchers if you weren't on our Facebook page to see this, is that, of course, we are coming up to the 10th anniversary. I can't believe it's been 10 years but the 10th anniversary uh, when David Tennant passed the torch as the doctor. Uh. And because it's coming up on the 10th anniversary, on Wednesday, August the 7th, Fathom Events Theater, wherever that is near you, they are going to be showing the end of time on the big screen. Both parts. They're going to be showing both parts of it, which if you remember when it first aired, you had a Christmas episode and Mm -hmm. then it went to a New Year's episode. So it was a two-parter. They're going to show both parts of it. Uh, they're also going to be showing a recent interview with David Tennant talking about his time on Doctor Who. So that's going to be August the 7th. Uh, go to FathomEvents.com to look up, see where it's playing near you. I'm definitely going to be mm-hmm. there. I know David Tennant is your doctor. He is. He's my doctor. So, yep. 
Yeah, it's that one day only, so that might be, mm-hmm. like I said, that might be a worth the trip to Charleston. So, uh, cause well, that'd is, be nitro, wouldn't it? Yes, it yeah, would be a nitro. Be nitro yeah. Because that's, uh, I think that's our closest fathom. Mm-hmm. There's one in Barbersville that, that does fathom events, but. It's like three hours for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. But definitely that's going to be uh, worth checking out. Um, what do we got coming up this week? Good Lord. Stranger Things? Yes, on the 4th of July. On the 4th of July. Yep, Stranger Things Season 3. Yes. Summer of 1985. Yeah? Yeah, 1985. Which was mm-hmm. when I graduated from high school. Aww. So this is going back to when I was a young and foolish man, which I would never want to be again. Nostalgia. So. Mm. Nostalgia, but mm-hmm. some things are worth leaving mm. in the past, and I think New mm. Coke was one of them. But no, we're going to get that back, too. <laughs> so, But uh, that starts up. And then midsummer, uh, this Wednesday, uh, I think it's Wednesday or Thursday. Maybe scary movie, maybe dark comedy. Don't know. Uh, well, let, kind me, of getting let me put mixed, it to you this kind way. Kind of getting mixed vibes. Yeah. Mixed uh, vibes. Well, it's uh, written and directed by Avi Asher, who brought us... Hereditary, the movie that I haven't shown you yet and therefore have not ended our friendship yet. (laughs) And so my understanding is like the first two acts, there's a lot of gallows humor. There's comedy in it. The third act is pretty brutal from what I understand. Now, from seeing Hereditary, uh, that worries me. I can't say I'm looking forward to seeing it exactly. I'm a horror fan. (laughs) I um, am expecting to endure it. There's obviously going to be more comedy in this in this one, even though it's gallows humor. There's going to be more comedy in this one than Hereditary, which isn't funny ever in the slightest. And so maybe it will be a little bit more endurable. But that third act, um, like I said, it does from the trailers that I haven't watched a lot about it because I didn't want to be spoiled. Mm hmm. But it does seem like it has a pagan slash wicker man kind of a yeah. vibe to it. Midsummer, it's supposed to be some sort of a uh, a festival, that mm-hmm. sort of a thing. And that's really about all I know about it, except that I heard that the cast got together and they got an early screening of the movie. And they were enjoying it for the first two acts. And by the time the credits were rolling, they sat there in silence for about <laughs> 10 minutes, which... Is what I did when I saw Hereditary. I just sat there in the theater watching the credits roll, going, "What the heck did I just go through?" I think I, I think I was truly mentally damaged. Mm-hmm. So, oh boy. So, like I said, I don't know if I can I can truthfully say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm gonna go see it. But before I go see that, Spider Man Far From Home. Spider Man. Yes, so that's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow from the time that we're recording it. So there's just been a lot of great press on this on this movie. People have been chatting it up. Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal have become new besties. Uh-huh. And watching them riff off of each other has been amazing. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the pictures, but from one of the uh one of the red carpet previews, if you remember old school Saturday Night Live, the, the What is Love dancing guys with the bobbing heads. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, right they, at the Roxbury. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Holland dressed up as those two characters, <laughs> gold chains and everything, and showed Beautiful. up. <laughs> so, Chris Kattan um, and Will Ferrell. Uh, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Yep. Yes. And so, uh, I mean... It's Spider-Man. Of course, I'm going to, I'm, I'm Spider-Man Mark since I was, uh, six years old. Okay. <laughs> so, of course, I'm looking forward to this movie. But again, this is supposed to be the wrap up for, again, 11 years of film. And 
it's going to be that. And of course, it's going to be the stepping off for brand new Marvel movies. So it's going to be that bridge. And I'm going to be going as soon as I can go tomorrow after mm-hmm. I'm after I'm done with what I've got to do during the day. Uh, I'm I'm heading straight there. Kevin uh, Kevin may be coming with me, but we will definitely talk about yeah, that we'll next do week. Do a real deal if you. Yeah, we will do yep. our real deal, and then of course uh, on on the Geek Watch podcast we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. I, I I think we'll go ahead and talk about Midsummer too because mm-hmm. I'm probably going to wind up seeing it, and I may over Fourth of July weekend I'll probably wind up going to see. Uh, uh, Avengers Endgame again. Look for uh, the extra scenes. The extra and, stuff mm-hmm. at the end, because I, I, I want to catch that, certainly. And so that'll give us a, a lot to talk about next week. And yep. so we'll be back on our regular schedule then, for sure. And so with that said, we come to the end of Episode 72 of the Geek Watch Podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch Podcast. From Andy Patry, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the geek watchers out there... We're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.